And now, here's your host, Alessandra Torrezani. Addison, Brazil? I love your name, by the way. Thank you. How it's did real. this... <laughs> is Brazil a real last name? It is, yeah. It's a, it's actually a Portuguese last name. My, my uh, Portuguese side of my family is from Portugal. It's San Miguel. But everybody thinks in LA that it's a stage name or a made-up name. But no, it's it's real. Well, welcome to Los Angeles, I guess, right? That's kind of the way that, that your intro, it's very exciting. <laughs> um, well, I want to thank you so much for coming. I um, have been such a fan of Tether for such a long time. Um, your company that you have created, this movement, it's everything and more. I, I just, what you do for men's mental health Long story short, I discovered you and all that's amazing about you on a social media app, a voice activated during quarantine. And every, I think it was every day you were doing men's mental health meetups, like kind of things, right? Is that what it was? Yeah, every time we did a men's mental health hour. Yeah, just to keep everybody connected, yeah. Yeah, and it was just so incredible because I've interviewed a lot of fantastic men that are involved with great organizations and have started their own men's mental health. Um, and you know, I, I just don't think that there's enough, right? There's never going to be enough. It's, it's the best way and the best outlet. And I learned so much being a female listening to do all of this right because like i have my own stuff that's going on a lot of my mental health issues are totally hormonal i can understand like when i live with bipolar disorder but i sure as shit know you know when when it's that time of the month she's gonna be a bitch like no matter what <laughs> right but so for with men you know there's so many things that I can't quite identify with and I don't understand and I want to know and I want to know the best way that I can possibly get into the mind, uh, you know, of, of that sort of, you know, I, I don't know, however, however that's viewed mental health. Um, it was so great. I also had on and now I'm totally blanking and I feel like such a terrible person. It's the mustache group that every November, Movember, Movember, see, I, See, I had, to, I had to work that out. That was working out the kinks. Um, I had someone on from there, and it was so amazing because I didn't know what they did for men's mental health. And then he was teaching me a lot of little things that guys can do, guy to guy, you know, like sitting at a bar um, where you're sitting shoulder to shoulder because you don't have to look eye to eye and have that confrontation. And it's an easy kind of gentle way to just ask the question, how are you really? So what would be something that you, you know, would would talk about or maybe just a little background on, you know, what makes Tether so unique and special? Because I think it's so special. Thanks for that. That intro, I might have to take you everywhere with me. Oh. Um, <laughs> the, um, I think that the important thing to remember is that, you know, obviously this is all fairly new. I mean, even the idea of Movember and the stigma of men's mental health has really only started to really be broken down in very recent times. And other than that, we just weren't programmed for that. And, you know, even I had, you know, the most liberal, loving Canadian mother and parents, yes. you know, ever. I say and feel whatever I wanted. My voice was always heard. I was, you know, encouraged to express myself. 
but I always found something else I wanted to put ahead of that. So for me, instead of maybe like macho and, you know, masculine behavior, it was success, like, you know, overachieving, you Mm. know, putting something forward, some sort of blocker there, because it did inherently feel like a weakness, you Mm. know? Um, And for me, myself, obviously going through three complex and comparative grief processes through the last 10 years, losing my brother to cancer, finding my own father after suicide, which just kind of completely opened up my interest and passion for understanding men's mental health. Because this, again, was not not someone that you would, in the old way people would say, ever expect would die of suicide, which now, you know, with my education understanding now, I wouldn't say that about anybody. Right, of course. You know, anybody is capable um, but, um, but then, yeah. And, and then of course I had an accident, which I'm, I'm sure we'll talk about later where I kind of had to recalibrate everything. But what I, what we went into tether, Matt Zerker, the co-founder of tether and I, who, you know, Matt as well, from mm-hmm. clubhouse, um, you know, when we went into tether, the number one thing we went into knowing from the research was that men respond best to model behavior. Hmm. So when they see other men doing something that they trust, right. they're more likely to uptake. So it's not necessarily like a lot of the stigma and awareness campaigns that we see, which may be targeted and hopeful to help men, right. aren't necessarily the way they're going to receive the information and respond in a way that's active. So they might be becoming aware, but what we were really interested in doing was activating men in the mental health space hmm. because you know we saw that. I think right now it's like in digital health, especially like 70% of the uptake is female, you know? Um, So it's like men are not using the services and tools that are being made available to them. And so we wanted to find truly gender informed programming to start to fix this problem. And, you know, people will say, well, why, why just for men, you know, haven't men have it, had enough. And, you know, and in the business and entertainment world, I would agree with you. Yes. When we're sitting there pre-pandemic looking at the suicide rates being 78% men and looking at statistics that are telling us that men won't ask for help unless 40% of men won't ask for help unless they're already feeling suicidal or like um, inflicting self-harm. You're seeing that gap and you're going, okay, this is a true epidemic. Um, You know, it's just in the time that we've been talking today, you know, we're hearing now that there's 700,000 suicides a year. You start to do that math. That's that's one person every 40 seconds. So just in the time we've already been talking, that's four people and three of them would be men, you know? So that really sinks in for me. And that well, it puts it into perspective. Yes, exactly. And like, you're just not realizing how, how often this is really happening. Right. Um, and how little there is in terms of actionable tools for men. So like I was saying, that idea that men really respond to model behavior, it was very important that when, when Matt and I were building Tether that we placed ourselves within the community. Mm. And if you download Tether and you see that we've from day one been a part of that and we, we made sure that, the, that it's a safe space because I think that's, that's the other thing that like men really need to know that is it actually a safe space because right. everything else digital, you know, we've all been kind of burned, you know, we share a little bit and, you know, Facebook keyboard warriors come out of nowhere or, you know, everybody has an opinion on every other form of social media. But something really magical has happened, and I think a big part of it was us being a part of it from day one, where Tether has really maintained the safe space culture. And, you know, we're now at 10,000 men worldwide, and we've been around for a year and a half, and we've only had on one hand, you know, literally any reports of hate or, you know, what's really cool about Tether, too, is, you know, it's the only place where it's not only just for men, but it's for all men. And we have such a variety of men, regardless of 
sexual orientation, race, age, economic status, you know, it makes it accessible and affordable for everyone. And I think that was another big part of it is allowing, you know, men to show up fully with all other men without ever defining what a man is or isn't, right. or what masculinity is or isn't, but really allowing that to take form. So, so I completely agree. And we say that all the time, you know, um, you know, women are sometimes, you know, this is obviously a generalization and never to exclude non-binary or anything like that. But, um, you know, women, you know, tend to heal eye to eye and men, mm -hmm. like you said, heal shoulder to shoulder. So that's something that we're always looking at where the, the overall mission and the idea of well-being is ahead of them, but they know they're not alone in it. Right. And I think that that was the most wild thing when he told me this during this interview. I was like, oh, my gosh, shoulder to shoulder. It's so simple. It's so mm -hmm. simple. And you can just tell. But even I find, yes, it, he was talking about it's an easy way, an easy flow into men starting that conversation with mental health. But I will say I get a lot of people to open up. I'm a very open book, probably way too open. Um, and people don't want to read that book all the time. Um, but when I'm driving a car and someone's in a car with me, a lot of the times the ones that aren't that open start to open up, right? Because they're not really paying attention. They know your eyes are on the road. You're not going to be giving you, you know, your full 150% attention. There's something about just a little bit of a distance and a little bit of a disconnect that truly connects you absolutely together. So I think that it's so awesome. And, you know, getting to just the numbers of statistics, right? You know, you hear these numbers, right? You hear 700,000 a year. And that's very jarring and it's very shocking. But then when you really break it down like you did and you're saying, here we are in this podcast, this is how many people we've lost. It's unbelievable that the conversation is still at a place where it is not normalized when these many people are passing away. When we think of everything that's going on and all the people we're losing in the pandemic to COVID, right? Just, I think we double it, right? I mean, normally, I mean, it's just, it's, yeah. it's bananas. And it's people like, you know, I, I lost a lot of people who were older when I was younger, um, who died by suicide. And it was that thing, oh, you would never expect it, right? But, but could you? I mean, n now? You know, it, it's really interesting. How did you, how did you deal with that? How did you, were you able to cope losing like that? Yeah, I mean, obviously I never meant for mental health or grief to kind of become a full-time focus in my life, but you know, we don't get to choose our experiences right, right. as we both know. So, you know, it, it kind of, it came in and, you know, I wasted a lot of time and I, I get to talk to about grief a lot and mental health a lot. And if I could fast track anyone, you know, when I, when I lost my brother, it was a very specific type of loss. It was a four year cancer battle. So, you know, mm. as much as you can be prepared to lose your, you know, younger brother's two years younger than me at 17, I'm at 19, like, you know, and I'm, I'm trying to, you know, get a scholarship to go to school and build the rest of my life, right. knowing very well that my younger brother, who I've always wanted to protect since day one, can't make those plans, right. you know, so it, it was such a weird juxtaposition of like, because all of high school is like, what are you going to do? And what's your future? And like, there's this, 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 God, this uh, contradiction at home of like what's possible, right? You know, right, and right. knowing my brother obviously had dreams and hopes, and you know, and so it was this this long drawn out struggle. And in a way, when my brother passed, 
because he had also come into acceptance around it and because we were aware and at the time he had become so ill i mean he was the miracle kid they said he was going to die every six months and this kid was like wow nope. and this kid's going back so also i never thought it would happen you know so right. but when he did we were all very well prepared my brother i joke like and i feel like this is the right podcast in the right place but only yes. this asshole would die on a holiday monday with yes. the sunshine nobody had to be at work he timed it perfectly it was like you know so it's like you know they said it was going to be drawn out and we would have to watch him like you know become emaciated and all this stuff and he was like no 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 i'm going to do this really quickly i'm going to do it on a holiday right. like i'm going to get addison back to school like you know yeah. it was just like yeah. no time to be called. wasted yeah. <laughs> the best the best asshole <laughs> that's ever lived um you know so yeah so it's it's really interesting and like to the point of the conversation i remember when we all met as a family the doctors brought us in and they, they had the conversation with us and like like i said it was kind of like crying wolf because we were like yeah yeah austin's gonna pass but like i had already deferred school once and we like you know had the best right. year ever like i was like this kid is invincible this is not happening to us you know and we all kind of had that and i remember in the family meeting there was about 12 of us the extended family was there all the doctors and surgeons and it was just sort of like this explosive blowout of like who my parents really were. It was the day I realized my parents were people. They weren't wow. just like assigned to us. You know, right. they, they, they were fully feeling flawed human Humans, beings who, right. who, yeah, lived by this idea that there is no world in which I lose a child. Like, right. you know, that's, that's a no, no. And I remember my father saying in that meeting, Austin, my brother, cannot die because if he dies, I will die. Wow. And it was just something that within all the other emotions that were flowing right. that, you know, I never really clicked until years later. And then obviously four years later, I, I found my dad after a suicide. And so I was, you know, I grappled so long with the post-traumatic side of it. And then I was in this traumatic grief process. And, you know, it was, I, I went on this between my brother and my dad, I went on this journey of just trying to fix. Mm. I just wanted to fix it all. You know, yeah. I need to fix the grief. I need to fix the mental health. I wanted to come back. I wanted to be the Addison that was 20, that could do anything, that founded charities, well being on scholarship at school. Well, you know, like I was right, like, right. I, I can get them back. So I, I went literally across the world, all the modalities, tried to do everything, you know, to do that. And I, I thought I had people started to be like, hey, you're back, you know, yeah. literally those words. Like, your voice sounds the same. Like, we're so excited for you. And I was like, I know. I'm, I'm thriving. I met this amazing mentor on a plane of all places. And like, wow. it just really started to, you know, these changes. And I went out in LA to celebrate that with a friend. And on the way home, unfortunately, we're in a fatal accident that left my friend dad basically, you know, on the, um, you know, as shocking as the way I just delivered that sentence, that's how shocking. It no, was but, but, me. but that's, um, but that's, you know, it's truth. It's, it's, it's just, all of a sudden it's like, you know, you think you're just taking an eight minute, you know, ride home and, and that was it. And I had to relearn to walk. I had a brain injury and my head was split open. I was in the hospital for weeks and suddenly it was just like, oh man, I, I had it all wrong. Like I, this, this is not something I can fix. This is something I have to learn to honor. There's no mm -hmm. way I can fix these compounded grief processes. They're too complex. They're too comparative. Now my body was also in pain on top of, so I was losing my sort of, you know, shield, you know, in LA, we walked right. around with a little bit of shield, you know, people say, oh, but you look so good. And I used to joke and be like, well, one more trauma, maybe I'll be Brad Pitt because people just keep telling me I look good, <laughs> you know, but I don't feel well. And, and I noticed that for men too. It's like, oh, but you're good. Oh, but you're good. You yeah. know, and like people just trying to like kind of bandaid it. And it's like, you know, I'd like to talk about how I, I'm not feeling well. Right. You know, I, I'd love to have that safe space. And luckily I really had that. And so, 
when I found myself in the midst of all that, I ended up in, you know, fast track in sort of a suicidal depression. And that's when I'm, that's when Matt and I reconnected. We actually went to high school together. We weren't friends, but he was grieving someone. He was going through his mental health. I caught up with him at the same time. And he posted this post on Facebook. And I just was like, I was doing everything I could, honestly, to not be or feel who I was. Like I was scrolling. I was like, you know, yeah. trying to hook up, trying to drink, trying to like yeah. anything to not. You just wanted to numb. You wanted to numb. Yeah. All the things, right. It was like, give me that elixir, anything else. Yeah. Try right. To be real, you know? So I was like the, the, both sides. And I just read his post and I was like, you know what? He gets it. And like, this is so weird because we weren't friends at all, but I'm just going to like, you know, message him. And I did and said, you know, if you want to talk and he did. And so we kind of became this, this beta relationship for Tether where wow. we started to peer support each other through both of us going through, you know, still all the professional things, all the holistic things, all the learning we were going to do separately. But we created this shoulder to shoulder digital peer relationship where we could check in at that level. There was no hierarchy. We were never going to be like, well, you should do this or, you know, you know, whatever it was. And, and Matt, Matt really, you know, it gives me goosebumps whenever I think about this, but he was the first man to ever say to me, I'm in a place where I don't want to live, but I don't want to die. Wow. And my whole body went numb and I was like, that's exactly how I feel, but I don't know how to explain it to anybody. And I was in this suicidal depression and, and it was at this point where I was going, okay, well, if he feels that way too, there, there is a middle. I thought I was at the end, but if there's a middle, then this isn't the end. So right. what does this mean for me? You know? And so Matt had these formative experiences, like, you know, in, in a, I'm sure you'll have him on soon. And he can explain from his perspective because, you know, we're all the experts of our own experience. Yeah. But he had these really formative experiences. He quit his lucrative hedge fund job. He sold his house and just, you know, he tether was what he wanted to do. And I just really intended to champion it. Honestly, I just I wanted to help him in any way that I could be involved and, you know, cue COVID. And it's it's like an hour turned into a day, turned into a week. And it's right. like, well, I'm. I'm obviously the fitting, a fitting co-founder for this. I, I want to build out the brand. I want to build out the community. I want this to be something that, you know, when my dad was just alone or, you know, that there's something to reach for right. long before you want to make the reach to a crisis resource. Like, you know, and that's, that's the one thing that I would say is if you can skip the part where you try to fix right. what you're going through, right. you fix, you know, the grief or the mental health challenges or whatever, if you can get to that place where you're just honoring it on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. You know, I woke up today, my brother's still gone. My dad's still gone. My friend is still gone. You know, there's different challenges from all of those, but instead of figuring out how I can fix it again and starting like, you know, the journey again, every single day, I started and go, okay, how are we going to honor these things today? And how are they going to be a part of today? Right. You know, cause it's not always debilitating. Sometimes it's, you know, grief can be such a gift. I did a you know, speaking masterclass on the weekend and grief was this amazing gift to connect to hundreds of people, you know? So it just depends what it's going to be each day. But yeah, I mean, I was really how? inspired by mom. That's how it happened. I mean, and may I ask, how is your mom doing? You know, and it's so funny because it's like that is you know the question that I always got asked and it's Do like you really? I yeah. want to import how is their dad feeling because <laughs> that's what I should have been looking out for you know right. same with my brother it's like everyone just had our we all had our eyes on my mom you know really that's that cause... Mom, the, yeah 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 it was like and even when my dad said that like I said in that hospital that day you know it was like he'll be fine she's not going to get out of bed ever. he's like, the I strong one he's a man he'll yeah. buck up yeah. he'll be fine 
and even me, like who who's always been like you know a highly sensitive person, and like like I was the type of kid that you couldn't punish another kid. Like I ended the spanking conversation because nobody could ever punish their right. child in front of me because I was so upset and so no, yeah like I you couldn't do it even yelling or like and I would get sort of like animalistically like defensive of my siblings like I just didn't didn't want anyone to be hurt I vote like I just can't seem right. to see people hurt so um you know it's even with that in me and that upbringing and like I said like you know I I did ignore my dad's original call for help I mm. of course you'll be here. you'll always be here you're like you're Henry Brazil there's there's no there's no world without you right you know and um you know, that's the article that I wrote in Los Angeles Magazine last week. That's what it was sort of about when I got to bond a little bit with Zach Williams, Robin Williams' son. Who I interviewed. He was another one. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Great. And Zach's amazing. So yeah. amazing. But it was that same sort of thing where everybody just wouldn't believe it. And, you know, when I finally met Zach, I got to say thank you because in a way, him sharing his loss with the world was such a tool for me because when people just really didn't understand my story, I could say, well, remember with what happened with Robin Williams? And suddenly they'd click in, you know, it was the person you'd never expect. My dad was the life of the party. It was, a, you know, and then there was this two weeks of sadness and we ended up where we ended up, you know, from my point of view. I now have inherited a mental health education and, you know, everything that I've learned in the years since where I realized, you know, that obviously wasn't the case and he was silencing all that. Right. But to get back to your question, my mom um, keeps coming up lately, um, but she happens to just have turned out to be, which I'm not surprised at all, but just the most resilient, loving being wow. that I have been blessed with in pairing of all this. And I always like to say that like, I, my grief is my gratitude and my gratitude is my grief because, you know, I'm sure you see as well, but I, I am so rich in love and I'm so wealthy in love and community. And like, right. you know, when Matt wanted to build Tether, he wanted to build the community he never had. And when I wanted to build Tether, I wanted to make sure everyone had the community that kept me alive. Right. You know, that, that, that was kind of the way I came at it. And, and it's, I have to say, like, it's so funny because I've, I've been having these experiences of just like this, like gratitude for my mom washing over me lately. It just keeps wow. coming up and because for so long when I was losing everybody, I think I, I started to get a little bit um, resistant with her and almost not mean, but like other people would call it mean, but it was kind of like, if I'm mean to you, you won't leave me too. You know, I had this sort of thing with her yep. and she would just love me around it and love me around it. And like, listen, I used to have three rules. Like you make me late, which has changed. You, you don't feed me, you know, you change the plan and I'm not going to be very nice. <laughs> you know, like that, that used to be like, people knew these rules about me and luckily I've challenged most of them. Most I kind of the love those rules, mom, though. Like, <laughs> I mean, they do work. You they, know, work just, great. <laughs> they do work great. I'm still a gremlin when it comes to feeding. Like, that's non-negotiable. Yeah, like, yeah. People are like, okay, you need a snack. But, you know, my mom, she doesn't have those rules, and she's just so loving. And it's like, oh, like, part of it was almost like a jealousy because, you know, I, I, I was grumpy in the morning, and I didn't understand why she was so nice to me. And I was like, stop talking. Like, and, nah. and why are you nice to me? I need to you, you know, and she's just, she's just so resilient. I, I have to say, like, I just, if I was going to deal with what I had to deal with, there's something in place where she was going to be around for it. Right. Because in all the times that it's gotten too scary to get out, what's really always benefited me is having a safe space like we were talking about. And I think this would benefit so many men is a safe space. And 
being able to tell one person just how scary it is. Right. And I was very lucky that that existed within my family, you know, so. And I think that's really, yeah. And I think that that's so important because I'm very, very, very close with my family, like sickeningly close, like my mother, you know, we have a very close relationship, you know, I wouldn't say great gardens, but I would say it's not far off. It might get there. It might get there. Big Edie and little Edie. I don't know. It might get get there. We're not sure. (laughs) As my husband. But but I, I find that it's so rare to have a relationship with a parent like that. And when I was going through, you know, the diagnosis and suicide attempts and all of these things, she was there by my side. And I can't imagine what it would be like not to have someone there by my side through the trauma, through everything that went on, through even just the little daily things of ups and downs. Um, And so, you know, it's it's so we don't we don't choose our family, right? We don't we we can't choose our family. And there's I'm, I'm very aware of that. I have no relationship with my father. I I, I chose him for whatever reason in the universe, but I can't, you can't choose your father. You can't choose your mother. Um, but you can choose the community that you surround yourself with. And I think that it's so important that you, A, have someone like your mother, if you, if you can, if you're blessed enough, I think that's wonderful and just love every moment of that. But B, find someone that can be the family that you always want because just because you have an amazing sibling just because you have an amazing aunt or uncle or whomever it may be it doesn't mean they're open to mental health conversations it doesn't mean that they are open to hearing about that darkness that you go through every single day you know a lot of people can't handle it and it's not that they don't love you it's that they don't know how to handle it on their own it's a very scary conversation and so what's so beautiful to me is this bond that you and matt created um not even just for the whole community of Tether, but just the two of you, right? I mean, because I find I've had that in my life where I've met other people who are bipolar who, you know, I never in a million years would think we would be friends. And not that they're not amazing people, just we we just probably wouldn't have been friends. But I feel more of a connection and more of a bond with them because we've been through certain situations in our life that are unexplainable, even to my husband. I can't explain what mania feels like. Um, and so I, I think that that's what's so beautiful, what you have created, not only with your your family and honoring your family, but with Matt and with the Tether community. I think that it's so fantastic. And just what a beautiful article with Zach, right? Zach Williams, because that's a bond that you both share that is you can't create that bond, you know, you can't. To your point, like if, you know, I might've listened to this, you know, pre-coaching days and pre-reset days, like and gone, oh, well, you know, there's a bad example because I do have that mother, but you know, well, he has (laughs) his mom. I don't have that type of mom, you know, and just kind of dismiss it. But I think one thing that you'll see, and you can track this because we have the good old World Wide Web, but every time Matt or I share our story, honestly, we form that very similar connection. You find people with similar values. Yeah. And this is something we do on the first Monday of every month in our pods program, all the guys come together and our emotional fitness pods is we redefine these categories of our lives. And the word family is a living, breathing definition. 
you know? So, so it's not necessarily like you're saying, it's not like a specific role. It happens to have found certain things in my mother. I could also tell you things on another day that drive me nuts about my <laughs> And she would love me for saying that too, because, you know, she's all like, but, um, you know, yeah, then I'd hate that she was fine with it. Anyway, um, that's another story, but, you know, you define that. So it's like that type of love, whatever, you know, what you're looking for and that, you know, it's time to say in 2021, that can come full force in brotherhood, you right. know, that can come from another man that can come from anywhere, you know, if you're willing to allow it to be a chosen family, like right. you said, if you're willing to choose what's important to you and connect based on those values, I think that that's something that is possible. And so, you know, if you're listening to this and there's certain qualities about that, I've shared of that I have with my mother, it's like, okay, you know, very intentionally starting to connect with people within either like a, a community like Tether or, you know, there's all these places now where I'm, that's how I'm looking to be received. That's how I'm looking to be held. I'm looking for somebody that, you know, has boundaries around me just complaining nonstop. Right. But if I ever need help or safety, they are number one that, that there. And that is something just out of survival instinct I had to do mm. to get to where I am today. And it is something that I now try to deconstruct to help other men do, right. you know, naturally and build support systems before a life event deems it absolutely necessary to have them in place, right. you know, to build that. Cause it's also hard, you know, there's this idea of trauma bonding, but it's also hard to look for that once something's happened that feels unmanageable or has you distressed, you right. know? So I really implore anybody who listens to this, you know, regardless of if you're male identifying or not, to really thoughtfully start to build this, a sense of community around yourself for when life shows up, because life does show up. And as you and I keep saying, like, you can't call the game. Like I, like, I almost died trying to call the game, trying to control the game, trying to get game back to where it was and it's like you know all you can do is really play the game and you're right. not the, you can't control every other player and you know the atmosphere and all this stuff so it's just um something that i really like want to say that that this can i hope this conversation is an opportunity to not look at what maybe you feel like you're lacking but to really identify what you're looking for and and have some ownership around where you're looking Right. You know, right. Um, and um, yeah, where you might find that type of person, you know, I, I, I'm no better at this when it comes to other things in my life where it's like, but maybe, you know, my partner of all partners will just randomly be here. So yeah. I'm, you know, that's like, no, like, maybe happen. there's another secret mental health advocate at this, like, you yeah. know, pool party in Palm Springs. No, I don't think so. You mean at the one yeah. party, you're not going to find where, it? Yeah, where are you looking? You know, yeah. so it's like, Maybe, you know, and there's, yeah, there's hope. But, <laughs> <laughs> it's just, yeah, yeah, I think that there's that, that balance of sort of ownership and just being aware of what, what you want. I think a lot of people too, it's the same in the mental health realm. I talked about this, you know, when I was on the news the, uh, on World Suicide Prevention Day, like there's, we're doing a lot for awareness right now, right. but we, we got to, you know, especially in the men's mental health community, we're really passionate about the action that follows it and right. the tools that are available. So it's like, you can be as aware as aware as you want. And my favorite example of that is like, it's okay to not be okay. Change things. People hearing that for the first time. Amazing. Right. But I personally, someone who was suffering with PTSD, depression, you know, suicidal depression had this moment where I, I just kept seeing that. And I went, yeah, okay. For how long? Right. Like, and what, what can I do right. that with not fit, you know? So it got to and this And then when am like, I going to be okay? 
exactly. Yeah, and, and then there's I'm this waiting. measure of okay. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, and obviously we both lean on our humor heavily yes. to navigate our, our challenges. So I know I'm at home with you here. You're very but, at you home. Know, it's like, well, for how long? Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, I, I, I don't, I know it's okay, but like for how long and what are my options and, and what's actionable here and, you know, what's not a Band-Aid versus right. like some real, real healing opportunities and production right. opportunities. So I get, I get really passionate about that because sometimes things that build awareness for us, like we're so aware that we're depressed or we're so aware that we're grieving and then right. we're just in that awareness, suffocating and drowning. It's right. like, okay, what is the tool here? What is the forward motion growth opportunity? Like, where is the action? And, you know, in Tether, that's why we're so passionate about having that emotional fitness tracker for men every day, because it's like, if you actually do that every day and you look back, you know, I use this example all the time. When I used to go to the doctor because I was feeling quote unquote depressed or thought I was depressed, you know, I was going to the doctor to talk about being depressed. Mm. So obviously I would think in my head about the three times in the last month that I, that, that validated that the strongest. Right. One day I couldn't get to bed one day, you know, whatever it was. But then when I started to track my emotional fitness on this ongoing basis, I'm looking back at a month and maybe I still only remember those three worst times, but then there's these 27 other days where I'm like, Hey, you know what? I'm managing pretty well. Right. And like what was going on on this day where or all these days where there was this contentment and joy, what did I do differently? Like, what, what can I learn? Exactly. So it's a really cool opportunity. And I think one day it can be a really cool opportunity for, for better diagnoses, you know, um, of what's really going on right. because we, that's the relationship we have. We get, you know, 48 minutes with that doctor and it's like, get out all the bad stuff and see what the solution is. And, and, you know, that's why I like to say, like, Tether, therapy is one hour a week. I hope everyone does therapy. I hope it works well for you. We're here when the rest of life happens. And both of those things live oh, in harmony, that. you know? I it's love like, that. you got to have something. I mean, we're always on our phones now. Life is 24-7. You have to be able to reach for, you know, your toolkit or your safety or your connection the same way we can reach for our dopamine rush and our access to sex and porn yeah. and <laughs> trouble, you know, yeah. whatever it is, you know, shopping. Like, you know, it's just... There's so many things that we're given in arm's reach now to numb and to forget what we're dealing with or to try to fix. Like they literally try to sell right. the fix of, of what well, we're going through. Yeah. You know? Well, and I'll say, you know, I, I think that I'm a firm believer in therapy. I'm go for it, girl, go for it, you know. But I will say I learned more about myself when I met a group and was became part of a community in uh, like not even just bipolar, but kind of like a mental health support group. Um, I don't think I ever realized, you know, I have a lot of people in my life, very close people that are in AA that are in the program. And I never really understood the concept. I was like, okay, that's like great. But like, okay, like whatever, you know, like move it along. Like, did you go to rehab? Like, aren't you fine? This was a couple of years ago and I was just not compassionate to it because I didn't understand it and I was being ignorant, you know? And now that I've found that community and I've found that peer to peer support, my God, I can't imagine living my life without it because I don't know mm -hmm. how I would survive because I need to hear other people's stories to know, wow, it's okay to not be okay, right? Like getting back to that, you know, to hear yeah. that, that, you know, you, the things that you've been through that I've, you know, similarly been through and, and just finding a connection. Connection is so important. It's so important in a community. 
Um, I have a quick question for you. I guess it's not quick, but it's a question. I want to be the best, like, female version of myself, right, to help a male in the male community or, you know, however one identifies in, in Tether, right? What is some advice that you would give to me specifically of how I could help out with a, a, a dude who's going through something with mental health if I don't know how to kind of confront it, like another, some, some advice that maybe you, you offer to others? Yeah, I mean, I think the best thing you can do is really set up that safe space, like we said, and acknowledge. I think sometimes, and this is from, again, I'm a peer. I have purposely not become a doctor, a mental health professional. Right. I want to take this as far as I can as one of the guys. As soon as I'm not one of the guys, then I sort of lose my touch of everything. Totally. About. So, again, from my own experience like of being in the arena with the other guys, not sort of studying them from above, one thing that I find is, is when when that safe space is is set when you really know that someone is is going to be able to actively listen and one thing that i would say and i say this you know obviously we get into this dangerous territory of grossly over generalizing when we talk about you know right. men's health women's health non-binary you know like and and only for the effort i only ever do it in a way to you know obviously help this specific issue that i'm attached to which is the men's suicide epidemic right. Um, but um, I will say, as a guy who grew up with two sisters and a mother and eight female cousins that were like siblings and friends and, you know, all around me all the time, is there was this tendency to, you know, I would say a little thing and then my female, overly supportive female friends and family members would then go, oh, I know, and this is what I know about that. And then tell me a whole story about how they've been through that. And it actually really kind of shut me off, you know, really? because it was like, rather than the active listening, rather than tell me more about that, you know, mm -hmm. open up that word. Because what happens, I think sometimes is when we're so comfortable about talking about things. And now I, I, I find myself obviously in the feminine energy of this, if, if we wanted to say that, because this is all I do is talk about feelings. And right, right. <laughs> But, so I'm willing to go there. It's like, sure. But, you know, you know, picking out one word and repeating what you heard and asking a little bit more about that when it comes to peer support, remember, you're not there to fix, you know, mm -hmm. you're there to create this safe space, listen in and acknowledge what you're hearing and then ask questions specifically about their experience. So you're always trying to be like, hey, you're the expert of your experience, right? Because right. Even as people, you know, if somebody were to say to you, let's just use this as an example, like I'm depressed. And you immediately go, I know, I, and then you explain to them how your week went. And it's like, oh, well, I actually feel more isolated and disconnected because that's not my personal definition of depressed and that's not at all what I'm feeling. So maybe I am weird, maybe I am alone. Whereas if you had said, oh, like when you say depressed, what does that mean to you? Right. Well, you know, I just don't feel like I have the same, you know, gusto for tether right now. And, you know, I'm not sleeping properly. And like, I know people love me, but I can't feel it. And it's like, well, that's totally different. And that conversation is going to go totally different. And then you have a man feeling understood, safe, without judgment or fixing, because you're not there to fix it. We're just peers, right? Like, I'll like, go back to shoulder to shoulder. I'm going to keep walking towards the end goal here, which is us all to be here thriving, you know, and honoring right. our journey. So it's like, you know, okay, okay, tell me a little bit more about that. And it, it doesn't, also, you don't want to fall into that talk therapy, you right, know, right. but it's, and then literally asking what it 
what what does support look like for you right now? Yeah, that is the biggest thing. It's such a life changer I've seen in the men's community. It's just asking because they will tell you like. Uh, can we just like chill and, and not talk, but know that I'm not feeling well? Right. Or, well, or they'll say, what do you know about this? Yeah. Have you ever felt depressed? What's your definition of depressed? So if, if that's what they need, allow them and empower them to ask for it. Right. Because right. also you, everyone's getting helped in that situation. I mean, it's, a, it's, it's such a cool exercise for anyone listening, like outside of, you know, if someone's in crisis, obviously assess that. And, you know, it's the same thing I always say. If your friend was, you know, broke their arm in front of you, you would not get down on your hands and knees and start like resetting it and do some sort of nerve. Oh surgery, my God. Right? Could you imagine? No. Hey, I'll take you to the doctor. I will drive you. I'll be here before, during, and after the use of whatever professional services you need without judgment. I will be here during all of it as a peer, but I'm not going to pretend that I know how to fix it or that I know exactly what you're going through, you know? And I think that's really important to be like, I can physically be here. I can do everything a peer can do, but I also have no judgment and am so supportive of you, of us finding you the professional, you know, service you need right now. If someone's in crisis, they need crisis support. That's not a time to go to a tether or, you know, a, you know that's where- Right, go, that's okay. where but you need the most. Yeah, how can a tether or a tether community member be there for you before, during, and after that process? Because a lot of what happens socially, I find too, is if someone's in crisis, it's sort of like a hands off, I'm not a doctor, right. which I found in my experience to be extremely isolating. Right. Almost right. more so. It's like, well, you should call your doctor because I, I don't feel equipped for this, rather than, hey, why don't you give your doctor a call? I'm going to make us some eggs and some water. Yeah. I'm going to be here. You and the doctor decide you want to go to an appointment if you whatever it is that you know right you know i'm gonna be here during all of this i'm just gonna only do what i can do right totally different scenario and again that's sort of like what my mom was like you know and it was just this constant like you know and you know when i was in a suicidal depression i was like is she playing with fire at all and it's like no this is masterful this is masterful wow. because she's never telling me what to do she's never making me define my experience or making me make a choice however she she is a part of everything she can be a part of and we need to clone your mother i know this is so weird because you know, like if you went to any of my friends they'd be like you need to be nicer to your mom you know so it's like <laughs> like it's so funny this is my gift this podcast episode i'm gonna send to her and be like this is my <laughs> gift back to you okay like i've used up all my praise of you for like a year but you know i just look back at what honestly did and didn't work for me. And even getting back to what we were talking about with therapy or whatever it is, it's a toolkit. Yeah. Like download, go to therapy, do holistic treatments, explore plant medicine, whatever, you know, whatever it is that, that, you know, is there. Whatever for you. works, but works. Always, yeah. And, but check in with that part. That's where yeah. the action, you know, the awareness around it comes in is at the end of the session, do I feel like I just talked for 48 minutes, got myself really hyper and now I'm being dismissed to play in traffic. Mm. or were there forward motion oriented steps that came at the end or something that I can use right. in my daily life to integrate this learning, you know? And, and I think like in a time like this, you have to be an advocate for advocating for yourself yes. within your mental health. Oh my regime. God. Yes. So, oh, like, yeah. I've been in places and I like, you know, I, there's doctors that will attest to this and be like, I don't care that it's been 48 minutes. I don't care that it's a billion dollars a minute to be here. I am traumatized. I'm re-traumatizing myself. I am not leaving this office. I am not driving until I feel safe. 
right. and demanded, you know, some grounding exercises, yeah. some tools that I could use and made sure that it was safe for me to leave. But, but there, sometimes when there's that hierarchy of a relationship, we're scared to advocate for ourselves, you know? Yeah. Are, I mean, I'm scared of a lot of therapists. <laughs> yeah. And that's, again, that's like, it's without generalizing anyway, it's like, yeah. that is a common fear. And if we don't talk about that, you know, but to, to re-empower people to go, you could go to therapy and you can have the same with any healthy relationship, the same with any working relationship. You can have boundaries, yeah. expectations, and you can share them. Yeah. You know, hey, listen, last time I was feeling really reeled up. I love what we have going here. Can we set a timer before the timer that ends the billing hour for six minutes before that, where we will talk about how we can take action or we can reground me. Decompress. Or, you know, yeah, it's like my worst stand-up joke was always like, yep, and then 48 minutes, and they're like, go play in traffic. Yeah, yeah, go have fun. No, I truly, you know? I, I, it's so crazy to me because I have the best conversations with therapists. I do love therapists. I'm a firm believer in therapy, but the amount of therapists that I have been fucked over by, okay, and, and that I feel unsafe, terrified, and worse going in, you know, and but I was scared because it was like, you know, older men. And I was like, well, they probably know better. And, you know, I'm probably wrong. And I'm the one who's sick. I'm the one who's on the medication. So, you know, it is about taking action and taking control and knowing, you know what, this is my session. I'm paying for this. I hired them. And so I'm going to use yeah. this for the best possible way that I can. What holistic medicine do you, not holistic medicine, holistic healings, like in modalities, do you, do you like, is there anything that's fun you'd want to share? You know, I'm, I'm a really, I am a big fan of body work. I do find that, especially after the accident, that like so much of my trauma, it's weird. My dad, with my dad, my PTSD was very mental flashbacks, mm. you know, a very mental journey with the accident my PTSD is very physical. My body, I feel like my body knows things that my mind has either forgotten or when I was knocked wow. out or whatever it was. Um, so it's, it's, it's a very different experience. So I'm a very big fan of anything that can align those two. Um, and it's, it sounds too easy, but like, I just can't believe like that. They didn't teach me this in kindergarten, but like the power of your breath. Like, I know. Is wild. Like, like it blows my mind to this day that it's like a built-in tool from the day you're pouring like yeah. your lungs. And it sounds, I hate even saying that because it's like, I can feel the eye roll of like, oh yeah, breathe through it. That's okay. This but podcast, honestly, they're not going to eye roll. Yeah. You know, if, if, if you really want, if you're really starting to get amped up, you know, and again, same as, same as the tether mantra, like this is not when you're at a nine out of 10 can be aware when you're at a three, a four, a five, right. a six, you know, and you can, you know, there are, there are literal breathing exercises where if you commit to the whole time without deciding it doesn't work to honoring that process, like I'm saying, it's not going to fix everything, but my gosh, like it can, it's so life-changing right. to just regulate right. yourself and breathe. And like, you know, nose breathing has been like, you know, just, you know, in, in times where like, I never had this tool where, you know, I, I can't stop, you know, but what I can do is while I do this next hour of work, I can breathe through my nose consciously yep. and it works. You know, I, um, I, I think things like that more holistically, like I, I do love body work, you know, anything that, that for me kind of brings me into integrity, into wholeness. So like acupuncture, um, body work, because I keep saying body work, obviously that, that really helps yeah. for me, even, um, holistically, it's kind of like a weird one, but like 
between the accident and all the trauma that I've been through, I have, you know, a little bit of a struggle with um, reintegrating into sort of um, pedestrian intimacy, like hugging oh. and like, and then we have COVID too. So it's just like, and this helped. thing came up where I was always being hugged because of what I was always going through. Right. So I think as a defense mechanism along the way, this limited belief came up like Addison doesn't like to be touched. And now it's like this thing where when I meet people, someone who knows me well will be like, oh, he doesn't like to be touched. And I hate that because I'm like, no, no, like I'm a loving being. Like I want to be hugged. Right. I want to connect. Like, you know, but it's this thing I've had to go back and challenge. And so I do find like things that, you know, if we can find a conscious massage therapist that can like integrate sort of safety, like a lot yeah. of things for me are based around knowing that I'm safe for an hour at a time is right. so important to and um we'll have to do like a part two in like six months because i i've started a new journey that i'm not talking about yet okay. i'm starting to investigate <gasps> more holistic you know experiences um and uh it's really cool and really exciting but again it's just i'm just dipping my toes in and, and have and you really ever tried of... something called alpha biotics no no actually so this is a very new thing for me and I didn't okay. know what it was. My husband's been going to this gentleman for years. And he was like, oh, I, I don't know. It's like kind of jarring. It's kind of shocking. You should do it. But it's basically, um, you think someone's cracking your neck, but they're not. It's hard to explain, but it's a popping. It's like a lifting of the occipital bone from where your nervous system is and the it reignites the nervous system so it's it's like like this and it starts at they pop it up and it goes all the way down to your toes and my legs used to be a half an inch longer than the other and when he realigns me with the reigniting the nervous system my legs are even everything's even i started laughing uncontrollably i took my mother who i didn't know if she would be okay with it she starts laughing and like she's like and he's like oh that's so funny you know are you a laugher and she goes i don't fucking laugh <laughs> like it's just like <laughs> oh my god it was, i gotta go we should go together and like film yes, it <laughs> like, yes. uh, and it was just Jesus. the most wild wow. thing that's ever happened to me but it is it's it like the of, traction machine thing like, no, it it's a, a it's like a human that like lifts your head. I'll send you like a video, kind of. It's a really woo woo thing. It's been around since I will the twenties. I've spent too much time in the last three years just watching people get adjusted and cracking <laughs> on Instagram. Like I get relief from watching like those, those you know it's like yes, the pimple popping. You gotta like stop that. That's I can't horrible. do the pimple you popping, know, but the cracking, it, yes. <laughs> I, you know, it's so funny, the pimple popping, it's like, it's so weird because it's something that people would be like, I could never see you doing that. And it's like, I don't know, just like, it's like when you crave that like release of tension, it's like, and I'm literally watching it till I start to feel sick. And it's like, Addison, what are you doing? What is wrong like, with you? With my sister in Australia, she's like, what are you, wait, are you doing it again? I won't talk to you on the phone if you're watching those videos. <laughs> I'm like, she's like, stop it. I'm hanging up. You know, and I'm like, I can't stop. So I've, I, I'm you trying to stop. You need to go the on that, that show Ugh. like TLC, My Strange Addiction, and it'll be like Addison Brazil addicted to well, people popping. it's pop. not that strange. It's like that thing now. It's like the same as, you know, mental health used to be. If you admit that you struggle, you know, you're likely to find at least five other people at the party <laughs> that, you know, feel the same way.
Go to the next party and admit that you watch pimple popping videos. And let me tell you, I'm not the only one. Listen, shout out to my best friend, Jenna. My best friend, Jenna's favorite show of all time is Pimple Popper. So you're going to meet her and you guys are just going to like hit it off. Well, Addison, Um, you have been such a dream. I need to ask you, though, my question that I ask every single person on this show. Addison, what is your emotional support? I think, you know, quite honestly, I have never felt like I could answer it this way before, but finally it's me and it's oh. me wearing the, that toolkit that we talked about. And that involves Tether, that involves, you know, like we said, holistic, therapeutic, that involves me writing the book that I'm writing right now about grief and everything that's happened. But, um, but it's all me and uh, it's, it's long overdue for me to say that that way. So, um, woo, what a week. <laughs> What a, what a week for you, honey. What a week. It's time to go get popped. It's time to go get popped. Somehow you're going to pop something. Now tell everyone, how can they find you? What can we look forward to? How do we join Tether? Absolutely. So Tether is T-E-T-H-R. Uh, and the website's tether.men. Uh, and then on Instagram, I'm Addison Brazil, A-D-D-I-S-O-N. Brazil is spelled with an S like the country, as my dad always said, every chance he got. Um, and I'm AddisonBrazil.com as well. Um, like I said, we've got a lot of exciting things coming up. Um, feel free to reach out to me if any of this resonated. I'm accessible. Um, I'm, I'm busy, but I'm accessible. <laughs> and I always like to connect if anything resonated. And um there's a lot more to come in terms of um, what I'm doing around grief and um, my book, which I think will be called Just to the Left of Death, um, should be in the near future. So we'll have to we'll reconnect around that. We're going to do a part two and we'll do it with you and Matt. I think that would be fun. Yeah, yeah, let's do that. Let's do the bromance. And then we can hear what happens with all the, the madness in six months. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Thank you so much, Addison. 